Off the Beat with Brett Jensen is presented by Felix Savadas Mercedes-Benz of South Charlotte, Charlotte's premier Mercedes-Benz dealer and the Carolinas' number one volume sales leader. Over 300 new and 200 pre-owned vehicles always available. Visit mbcharlotte.com. She's the star of reality TV's Vanderpump Rules. I'm Stassi Schroeder. And she's got lots to say on her new on-demand podcast. Straight up with Stassi. I talk about pop culture, reality TV, celeb gossip, relationships, and a little bit about myself. Okay, a lot. <laughs> Listen to Stassi on your schedule. I'm answering your emails and your questions. I want to give my opinion on everything. Straight up with Stassi. That's what I do best. Judge. <laughs> Download and subscribe at the new radio.com app or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, welcome back to Off the Beat with Brett Jensen. And joining us now is someone that I'm very excited to talk to. Her name is Bridget Lancaster, and she's one of the stars from America's Test Kitchen, Cook's Country, and Cook's Illustrated, all on PBS. It's been going since 1998, and she's one of the original hosts. That show, every single week, reaches 60 million people. Think about that for a second. Two shows, 60 million people all over PBS every single week. We're going to talk to Bridget about all the mistakes that happened during Thanksgiving, as well as learn something about her personally. So without further ado, Bridget Lancaster of America's Test Kitchen. All right, so Bridget, three jobs in Boston in the late 90s before America's Test Kitchen came to be created, and you are a pastry chef. What was one of the worst jobs you ever had before this whole American Test Kitchen thing took off? Oh, wow. Uh, well, you know, I, I would say it, it revolves around the holidays. Uh, I worked in retail for a long time, and um, I think everyone should have to work in retail, especially during the holidays once in their life, uh, and also wait tables. Um, you know, people are in a rush. They're in a hurry. They, they know what they want. They want it, and they want it now. Um, so I think uh, I, I would probably say... Um, and I worked for a, a cooking store. I'm not going to say the name here, but I worked for a kitchen equipment store. And boy, oh boy, did things get heated during the holidays. <laughs> All right. So now, so it's personal question followed by cooking question. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. So for the holidays, cranberry sauce from a can or homemade cranberry sauce? You know, I, I don't want to offend anyone that loves the jellied stuff out of the can. And I got to say, there is... There is a use for it. It's great to spread on a sandwich um, after Thanksgiving. But I love, or, or any holiday, but I love the, I love homemade. And it's so easy to make. You know, it's funny, though. I, I asked my friends this before I started asking you this. And to a T, they all said, out of the can. Out of the can. You know what? As an ingredient, it's kind of interesting. If you add a tablespoon or two to, like, a red wine sauce, it actually can completely change the flavor of it. it gives it a jammy berry flavor. Um, but, you know, it, and again, if if that's the place that you got to cut corners, then absolutely go for it. Cut corners. All right. So from three jobs up there in the Boston area to reaching 60 million people a single week between the magazine and both television shows, do you ever just sit down with your husband, who's also a chef, just sit down and go, how in the hell did we end up here? 
<laughs> all the time. Pretty much every every morning I wake up and I realize that uh, it's not a dream. Yeah, I, if you if you'd told me when I was you know in high school that this was going to happen to me, I, I I just never would have believed you. I, I originally went to school with the idea that I was going to become a veterinarian. So this wasn't even on my radar at all. <laughs> uh, I I can barely believe it. But yeah, I mean, food is the whole household is all food all the time. Talking with famed television chef Bridget Lancaster of America's Test Kitchen and Cook's Country, and she's joining us here. Okay, so is it called stuffing or dressing, and is there a difference? <laughs> to me, there's a difference. Uh, so I grew up, uh, I lived in West Virginia for most of my life, and there was no such thing as stuffing uh, unless it was literally cooked inside of a bird uh, or a piece of meat. If it was cooked outside of, of that, it was definitely dressing. So to me, it's always dressing because I make it, I don't stuff a turkey or, or any other meat with the, the stuffing. I cook it outside and I call it dressing no matter what the recipe says. <laughs> now, I just recently, it aired here locally, your Thanksgiving special that you guys did last year. And in that, it, it caught me off guard. I, I don't think people really truly understand that you guys live up your name when it's America's Test Kitchen. And they were talking about over 1,100 turkeys that you guys try to cook in different ways with different recipes to make it the best way. I mean, I don't think people realize how much food you people actually go through and how much testing actually is involved. It is crazy. I, I would say the minimum amount of testing that we do is 40 tests. That's that's pretty much a minimum. It can go anywhere into the hundreds from there. And when you're talking about dishes that, you know, people really love, again, roast turkey, you know, you're, if you're making a roast turkey, you're not doing it every weekend. Uh, it's something that it probably means there's a big special occasion or a holiday coming. So we want to make sure that that meal especially um, is foolproof and that people can count on us. And if we know that people can count on or people know that they can count on our recipes, they're going to keep coming back for more. All right, so the turkey upside down keeps the breast more moist while cooking it. True or false? It is actually true. Um, it might not be the way that you think it is, but if you if you start a turkey uh, with the uh, breast meat side down, you're shielding it from the heat of the oven, uh, from the direct heat for you know a good part of the recipe. So you're, what you're doing is you're slowing down the cooking of the breast meat, and that's good because the breast meat is done about 10 degrees um, sooner than thigh meat, the drumsticks. Breast meat cooks to about 165, and while you want the thighs and the drumsticks to come up to 175, so you need to slow down the cooking of the breast meat in order for it to all come out at the same time and be perfect. All right, so when I was telling my friends, uh, by the way, just about all of whom are avid watchers of your television show, <laughs> male, male and female, by the way, when I was telling them you were coming on, and I said, I have my own thoughts, but what is it about Bridget Lancaster that you like, or what do you think makes her unique? And they all pretty much said the exact same thing, which caught me off guard, because I asked them at all different times, and they said, she's not pretentious. She just comes across like an every normal, everyday type woman. She looks like the type of person that would be happy eating wings and drinking beer just as much as eating fancy French food and drinking fancy wine. Do you think that's part of that, your success, because you grew up in West Virginia? You know, I, I never thought of it that way, but it, it could well be because I, I take immense pleasure in eating wings and drinking beer. I, I brew my own beer. I have five different kegs of homebrew in my basement right now. Yeah, I, I, I love everything about food. And food to me, it, it's not necessarily about 
uh, you know, the specific dish and you're at a fancy restaurant, it's white tablecloth service, uh, part of the meal is the conversation and the experience. So if you're having a great time, really, as long as the food is, is pretty good, you know, the, the company can more than make up for bad food. So, I, <laughs> right. I, you know, I like to have a good time wherever I am. All right. So West Virginia is just a couple hours north, straight up I-77 to 81 from Charlotte. So I'm going to ask you this because I'm sure you probably grew up being around this type of stuff. But people outside of the South have a hard time putting their brains around this. Thoughts on fried turkey? <laughs> Well, okay. If you don't know what you're doing, it, it can be dangerous. Uh, the thoughts on eating it, it is delicious. It's the crispest skin that I've ever encountered in my entire life. I've had it on a couple occasions. Um, it is uh, it is amazingly fast to cook, so it doesn't take up space in the oven. There are a lot of great reasons to fry a turkey. Uh, if you're doing it for the first time, I suggest you eat at someone else's house first that's done it a few times and watch them because usually people that have fried turkeys become an expert really quick. My one little piece of advice is never deep fry a turkey that's still partially frozen. Uh, and people do that all the time. And it has ice crystals on the inside and you really don't want any water to hit that hot oil. That's where things can go wrong. Talk with famed television chef Bridget Lancaster of America's Test Kitchen and Cook's Country. She's joining us right now. All right, so being a mom and a cooking expert and having a husband who's a chef as well, but you've also got the kids, the two Mm -hmm. boys that you've got, are they exactly like every other children in the world where they go, Mom, for the love of God, never make that again? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they and they're very free with their opinions as well. Um, so every every meal that I make, it goes up for, a, you know, a Michelin star evaluation, I think, with my two kids. Um, you know, they're they are the critics in the house. They're the ones that are. Um, yeah, because, the, again, that makes it a good experience, bad experience if the people don't like what they're eating. I do have a rule, though. They have to try everything three times. So not just once, but I'm going to make it a few different times, and they have to try it if it's something that they don't like. And usually by the third time, they're like, okay, well, yeah, we got past our first, uh, you know, the first reaction to, say, Brussels sprouts. Um, I'll I'll keep trying because it's something that I think, you know, especially if I tweak the seasonings and take into consideration uh, how they might like it. Um, I think it, it just makes for more pleasurable eating. And if you can teach kids to try things, you don't have to teach them to like it, but you have to teach them to take a, take a chance and try something new. I think that's that's winning. And well, then I have my giant dog that will eat any <laughs> leftovers anyway. So. Well, I was going to say, you'll be cooking Brussels sprouts till the cows come home if you're going to try and get me to like them. So yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that, would be, that, that would be a problem. I'll take that challenge. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just a couple more questions here with Bridget Lancaster of America's Test Kitchen and Cook's Country. Okay, so... What's the most common mistake or screw-up that people talk to you about or try to remedy during the holiday season while cooking these big meals? Oh, wow. Um, well, I'd say number one is people forget to defrost the turkey or they don't plan enough for it. Um, so you want to, you know, depending on the size of the turkey, you want to make sure that you're giving it plenty of time to defrost. It can actually, you want to take that out, I'd say, a week out of the freezer, a week out of the freezer, put it in your fridge and give it plenty of time. So that's number one. Um, Another issue that people have is not planning ahead. I have a game plan. I actually will type out 
<laughs> it's not exactly a spreadsheet, but I have a to-do list um, on my computer that I have planned out any holiday meal. So I have one oven at home. People think that I live in this dream kitchen world at home. No, I don't. Uh, I have one oven at home, and it is busy during the holidays. So I want to make sure that I'm giving enough uh, time to each component. So I work backwards from the moment that I want to put all the food on the table. I work backwards from there, and I figure out when things have to go in, when things have to be held. Uh, you know, do I need to move it to a slow cook? to keep it warm, things like that. Um, and then I think the third thing is not asking for help. And help could be your friends and family coming over, uh, but help can also be you know, going back to that canned cranberry sauce. It, it could be picking up a pie. If you have a bakery that you know makes great pies and you're not, you're not that great at it, don't, don't be afraid to go pick up a pie or really good bread um, or ask somebody who's great at um, you know, knowing which wine to serve. Ask, ask them to bring the wine and, and you know, t- explain your menu to them so that they can become part of it. So I think asking for help is a, is a big, big thing. All right, so two more questions. I read somewhere that you said that you have no guilt when it comes to eating. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. I refuse to feel guilty about eating. Uh, there's so many other things in life to feel guilty about. Um, I, you know, think about think about eating. You know, I I can only be a cook if other people like to eat, right? Cooks are only as good as <laughs> if they're eaters, and we all eat. So no, there's not there's not a thing that I would feel guilty about um, that I can think of um, that I would spend even more than 20 seconds going, oh, I really shouldn't have. You know what? I ate it, so it's done. Makes absolute perfect sense. So, Oh, <laughs> you should never feel guilty for Thanksgiving. You know what? Your belly might be uh, arguing with you, um, but, you know, everything else, no. So speaking of the holiday season, the last question here with Bridget Lancaster of America's Test Kitchen and Cook's Country. The Thanksgiving and Christmas season, what do the meals at the Lancaster household look like? Are they just elaborate or are they pretty much standard? Do they have mac and cheese? Do they have green bean casserole? Paint us a picture on what the Thanksgiving and Christmas holiday dinners look like at the Lancaster household. Oh, let's see. Well, Thanksgiving, I'd say Thanksgiving is pretty traditional. So that is the one holiday I don't feel good about introducing too many new things. Um, and if I do introduce something new, it's in addition to the classic, not instead of. So, for example, a pecan pie. If if I did not make uh, pecan pie, my husband would probably leave me. So <laughs> I have to have the pecan pie on the table but in addition to that, I'm going to make something else, and I'm not sure what that is this year. But um, I, I better I better get cracking because it's coming in a few days. But it's it's standard. I love a classic roast turkey. I make enough gravy ahead of time. Um, I, it's already in my freezer. I have uh, almost a gallon of gravy already made because you can't have enough gravy. I think gravy is a beverage. I could drink it with a big straw. Cornbread um, <laughs> dressing, definitely, See, but- with some sausage in there. Uh, mashed potatoes. I like to make um, mashed sweet potatoes as well, but then I top it with grated um, smoked cheese, either mm. smoked cheddar or gouda, and some bacon on top. Mm. Uh, and I put it in the oven so it gets nice and crisp. Um, and then for vegetables, I I actually keep, I don't, I'm not a big green bean casserole person. I like 
the green beans themselves, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with uh, not smothered with sauce. Uh, although, again, I give people gravy, so they can smother the green beans with gravy if you want. Um, so that would be pretty traditional. Oh, homemade rolls. I have to make homemade rolls. Um, the mile-high, uh, giant, big, fluffy white rolls. Christmas gets a little, um, I get a little bit more adventurous, and I try to change it up every single year. So, you know, one year I might be doing uh, goose. We did that last year. Oh, wow. An um, actual Christmas goose. Wow. An actual Christmas goose. You know, there's something that my husband's originally from Scotland, and I think sometimes I get uh, a little Dickensian, you know, wanting to do something that's a little, a little old English or old British. Uh, we did a Christmas goose. Uh, we've done duck. Uh, this year we're looking at prime rib. So I'll probably do prime rib and Yorkshire pudding, um, a big trifle. I love that for dessert. Mm. Um, I love scallop potatoes. <laughs> you know, another thing that we've, we did um, when we have smaller Christmas um, days where it's just the family, us four, well, five if you count, again, the giant dog, um, there's... I, I've done it a couple uh, times where I make a stew or a braise, something like beef burgundy, and I make it the day before on Christmas Eve. And all it needs to have done to it the next day is, you know, reheated. And sometimes those are the most enjoyable Christmas dinners because I didn't have to spend all day in the kitchen on that day. Maybe I'm making a really nice vegetable to go uh, alongside of the um, stew or the braise. But there's something to that. Having It's almost like a gift to yourself. You've already made it. And then on Christmas Day, you get to spend more time putting together giant Lego villages and things like that with your kids and less time in the kitchen. Well, I can't thank you enough for joining us. One of my friends actually said, and this was a guy who said this, not a woman. He said, the thing about Bridget is she's the every woman. She's exactly what you want and because she's laid back, but she knows how to cook and she wants to drink a beer, but she's got that sharp wit. And he called you the every woman. Uh, I, I can't think of any better praise. That is, thank him for me. And, and if I wasn't married, I'd ask you for his number, but thank him for me. <laughs> right. Well, Bridget, again, thank you so much for joining us here. And again, I know it's really busy around the holiday season. So again, I can't thank you enough. So Bridget Lancaster of America's Test Kitchen at Cook's Country. Again, thanks for your time. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, happy holidays to you. You as well. Welcome back to Off the Beat with Brett Jensen, and it's now time for the segment that is growing more and more popular. It's the relationship and dating segment. Now, as a lifelong bachelor, and yes, I've been engaged and I've had serious relationships that lasted several years, but as someone who's never been married, I have experienced just about every type of personality there is to experience in the world of the female. I've been in dozens upon dozens upon dozens of odd and unique situations. And so I'm here to help you avoid some of the pitfalls that I've had to experience along the way. Because you have to remember, I started out dating when you had to meet them in a bar, church, a grocery store, or a blind date, or at work. Then it went to online dating, Match.com, eHarmony. And then there were still some taboos about that. And then it's all transformed into app dating. First it was Tinder, and now it's Bumble. And that's the big one that a lot of your professional women use. And let me clear this misconception up real quick. It's not a hookup app. I mean, yeah, that can be used for that. No different than if you met someone in a grocery store at church. Yeah, you could hook up the first night. This is an actual real dating app for people who are extremely busy. 
and more and more women are extremely busy because they're all in the workforce, which is a great thing. With that being said, here's this week's dating advice and tips. One of the problems that you have with using a dating app is you see pictures and you either like them or dislike them. Well, the problem is, and guys do this too, so women, this is for you as well. There's a lot of false advertising out there. My very first date after moving back to Charlotte, I met a girl online and we were chatting back and forth, chatting back and forth, and we decided to meet at a restaurant. I got there first. Here's another rule when getting to a restaurant and meeting someone there. Always get there first. Even if you have to get there 15 minutes early, get there first. She walked in, came up to me and said, Brett? And I went, yeah. I didn't recognize her because she looked nothing like her photos. Nothing. She was probably, in all sincerity, 40 to 50 pounds heavier in real life than she was in her photos. And at that moment, I was so mad that I almost just got up and walked out because I felt lied to and I felt used. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, if this is what my first date is going to be like in this new city, what in God's name are the rest of the dates going to be like? But even though she was completely false advertising and nothing seemed to be real of what she talked about or posted on her profile, I stayed wound up buying the dinner and paying for the dinner like a good guy and never spoke to her ever again. But here's what I learned from that, and here's what you can learn from this. There are a couple of ways to avoid this. First and foremost, Facebook and Instagram. Look them up on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, they'll be able to know if you looked at their profile page unless you have the privacy settings changed. But even better, go to the Facebook page because there will be lots of photos on Facebook that are unfiltered and candid. You'll see some really good pictures and you'll see some really bad pictures because let's face it, on these dating profiles, everyone puts their best pictures out there. And then especially the women use special filters. I have spent 15, 20 minutes before trying to find someone online just to make sure. But check out the photos. And my rule is find the absolute worst photo of her. And that should be your expectation. Anything better than that is gravy. But if her absolute worst photo still looks good, great. But if she doesn't look too good or he doesn't look too good in the photo, hey, at least you're thinking that's the low bar. It can only get better from there. And more times than not, you will be pleasantly surprised. So for women and for men, Facebook stalk, Instagram stalk. If that doesn't work and you can't find her no matter what, when you start messaging back and forth, And she'll say something to the fact, hey, what are you doing? Or what's going on? Snap a quick selfie and send it to her. This will generally get a response from her to do the same thing. Because you can always follow it up. How about a pic of what you're doing? And if she sends it, more times than not, it will be unfiltered. And you will get a sense of what she looks like right now to make sure that the photos aren't 6 years old, 10 years old like they were on my first date. So those are just some of the tricks of the trade in order to avoid being snagged by false advertising. Be the first one to send a photo. Hey, what's going on? What are you doing? Quick selfie. Boom. I'm sitting on the couch. Boom. I'm at a stoplight. Whatever. Hey, I'm driving. Or you're in Harris Cedar. Take a picture of yourself in Harris Cedar and follow it up with, how about a pic of what you're doing? And more times than not, they'll send a selfie. And if they don't, you can play along like, oh, really? Oh, that's disappointing. Again, a lot of simple ways to avoid the false advertising scam. All right, this concludes another week of Off the Beat with Brett Jensen. If you have any questions or comments you'd like to discuss or have me answer about dating, if there's anyone you'd like me to interview, all you have to do is follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen and ask. Again, that's Brett underscore Jensen and fire away. Thanks for joining me this week, and we look forward to doing it again next week post-Thanksgiving. You've been listening to Off the Beat with Brett Jensen.
Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS.